Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am really excited uh, this morning to be sitting across from a new friend. Uh, it is our first time meeting. And um, yeah, I won't be able to do much of an intro since this is, again, our first time meeting. And I have just heard about this woman. I looked her up. I took a chance and reached out uh, because as you who follow the podcast know, I am obsessed with breathing. So welcome, Jessica. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Mm, so excited. Uh, well, let me just give you the stage right away if you want to um, give us a little intro of, of what you do, who you are, anything that feels relevant for today. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, my name is Jessica DeMars, and I'm a physiotherapist in Calgary. And um, I guess I'm a respiratory physiotherapist. So I had started out like many physios do working in the world of private practice and treating the necks and the backs and the knees and the elbows and mm. um, which was great. Um, but um, it has now morphed into something entirely different than that. So um, I often have to kind of, it's a lot, it's rather than a short little elevator pitch about this is what I do. It ends up being this kind of long <laughs> explanation of what it is I actually do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, uh, basically what I do is I help people who have some sort of issue with their breathing. So they may have lung disease, so they might have asthma, they might have COPD or any number of mm -hmm. other lung issues, um, or they may just be experiencing shortness of breath for, um, what, what doctors can't figure out why, right? So there's not necessarily any lung damage or pathology, but there's something not quite right about their breathing. And so my job is kind of a bit of a breathing detective, if you will, to try to mm. figure out what sort of other things could be going on that are affecting how people are feeling about their breathing and why it might be limiting what they're able to do or, or negatively impacting their quality of life. Wow. Okay. So when you got into physiotherapy, breath was not a focus. What <laughs> the, irony, <laughs> the irony of this is when I was actually going to school to be a physio, we learned yeah. about the cardiorespiratory system. You could be a cardiorespiratory physiotherapist. And I hated it. It was my mm. worst subject. I was like, I am never going to use this and do this because I'm going to be treating knees and necks and backs and whatever, right? So I was like, oh, why just is that? What was it about it in your learning process that uh, you. I mean, I was young. I was yeah. young. I was in my like early 20s. I got into university and into, into physiotherapy right out of high school. I was very okay. young. And so mm -hmm. I thought I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what I didn't want to do. And mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily, um, but at that time it was presented as a, you know, working in the hospital, helping people. Um, right you know, in that sense. And I was like, that is not interesting to me at all. And I didn't understand it in a sense, right? Like I was just like, Ugh, this isn't, this doesn't interest me. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother. Um, but as I got out into practice and um, so I graduated a long time ago in 98. Okay. <laughs> and in about 2006, I attended a conference for orthopedic physiotherapist so all of us working on these injuries and things like that and one of the keynote speakers got up and started talking about breathing and I sat there and I went well this is interesting maybe you know these patients that I, I can't seem to get better right like something else is wrong with them maybe mm. it's this. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then that like was a gigantic rabbit hole that I just went down and it just, it led me into all sorts of places. I went to New Zealand um, to train. Um, actually, it was just a weekend course, but I, you know, went all the way wow. around the world to go to a weekend course on this. And um, it just kind of keeps going like it's this big snowball. And then, um, and at, at the time, I was in the, when I, this first happened, I was in Calgary, then I moved to BC, and then we moved back to Calgary. And when I came back, I um, kind of got connected with the with the respiratory world. So the doctors and specialists working with people with lung disease, and they were like, Oh, you, you could help my, our, my patients like, Oh, my goodness. And it was mm-hmm. like kind of a light bulb moment for everyone. And then it, it has just absolutely yeah snowballed into this. Oh, I have a business, it's breathe well wow. physio. And that's what I do. Yeah. yeah, amazing. I so in this process for you as you started realizing that um, there's a lot more to this breathing thing, did that impact your own breathing practice um, or? I don't know if I was really that really aware of myself. I mean, I think sometimes as physios, our own self awareness is terrible. We're busy mm-hmm. fixing everyone else that we totally. don't actually pay attention to ourselves. Um, I mean, there were things about my breathing that I could, you know, looking back on, I, I, I was a competitive um, athlete and, and mm-hmm. biker. And I remember there was a time when I was like, you know, I feel like I have asthma. And I went to my doctor and they gave me some puffers because I knew I was struggling with my breathing, but I wasn't aware enough of it, right? There was no, none of that. And then, um, so I, I've definitely learned things and changed things about my own breathing, like in terms of taking it from being a little bit more shallow to much better diaphragm breathing. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes I struggle to show people bad breathing patterns now because <laughs> I really can't do it. Um, but yeah, so that, um, you know, there was nothing like, it's not like I grew up with asthma or I grew up with breathing problems, which is probably why I hadn't really made any connections to it before, but, right. um, yeah, it certainly impacted my practice and how I look at people that come to me for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is really interesting. I found as well that because it's something that we just do, we breathe, we're alive. You're clearly breathing, but sometimes getting into the conversation of what it is to breathe well with someone almost takes a little bit of a, you know, an elevator pitch as well of like, what is it? What am I, what don't I get about my breathing? Like, what, is there anything that you start with when you're meeting with a new client to kind of give them some insight into into their breath? I mean, certainly the the bonus for me is that people already know something's wrong with their breathing, right? And half the time they think they're going crazy because no one can Mm. find out what's wrong with it. So, um, but there's so much learning, right? Because you're right, we do it without thinking about it. Thank goodness, because we breathe upwards of 20,000 times a day. If we had to think about each breath that we would really get nothing else done. Mm -hmm. So, it's, um, it's something that can happen, obviously, subconsciously, but it's something that we have control over, right? Right now, if I want to, I can hold my breath. If mm-hmm. I want to, I can blow up a balloon. So I can make all sorts of changes to my breathing voluntarily as well. Our breathing responds to kind of our emotional state. So we're going to breathe differently when we're nice and relaxed mm-hmm. compared to if we are, um, you know, really nervous and, and, and excited and anticipating something or if we're exercising. So there's, you know, really breathing occurs along this spectrum of mm-hmm. needs, right? It, it's always changing and always um, adapting to whatever it is we're doing and we want it to be in line with that. And so that's one thing that I, I definitely, you know, 
um, try to convey to people because oftentimes when people come to me, they've lost that flexibility, they've lost that spectrum, or they're, they're jumping steps in that spectrum. Hey, you know, I'm okay at rest, but as soon as I exercise, everything goes sideways. And it's like, well, you missed a whole bunch of different steps in there to get to that level, right? Like mm. you, you're breathing like you're all full out and we're actually only walking right now. So the change doesn't need to be that much. So right. those kinds of things. Um, and, and then the, the, the biggest thing about breathing um, is that it is, it, and on the surface seems simple, just breathe in and out, but it's really quite complex and it involves um, physiological changes to the body, right? So we are, we are bringing oxygen in, we are getting rid of carbon dioxide, but we have to do that in a very precise mix so that we maintain our body's physiology or homeostasis and, and more importantly, our body's pH, right? So mm -hmm. there's lots of, lots of things out there where people talk about pH all the time and really the only things that change our blood pH is breathing and our kidney function. Like those are the two organs responsible for maintaining that, that homeostasis there. And, and when, when our pH does shift, and, and again, we have to be in a very finite um, range of pH, when our, it does shift, even just a little bit, there are a whole bunch of other compensating mechanisms. So if I change my breathing, if I hyperventilate, that changes the chemistry within my body that affects another thing and another thing and another right. thing. And it really can be a snowball effect that way. Right. So. so why is it that you know, our, our body is so wise and um, there is a, a part of this that it's like you just need to trust that your body knows how to breathe. Mm -hmm. And um, myself included, there's been a lot of people um, that their body's not breathing properly. Like when to trust the breath, actually, it doesn't work at, at, for, some, for some people at some different times, right? So what what would you say about that? Like, why does the body start to adapt to learn to breathe improperly? Yeah, and that's, you know, there's that's that is a that's a big question. So I mean, yeah. it could be um, it could be illness, right? So if you have asthma, if you have allergies, and you can't breathe through your nose, right? Right. So kids that have allergies and they don't breathe through their nose and their mouth breathing, that changes your breathing pattern, and that can change it you know, indefinitely because you never breathe through your nose. You never learn to do that. And, and that's a fundamental part of breathing is, is that we have to be able to breathe through our nose. Mm -hmm. So you could have things like that. Um, so illness, you could have an injury, right? So you could have a, a, like an actual injury to say your rib cage or, or your lungs. So we talk about kind of injuries to lungs, um, just even a pneumonia would be like an acute injury to the lungs. Um, mm. You could have a, a blood clot. You could have, you know, even a really bad back injury, something that, that changes the way that you want to move your body. You've got to think of breathing as a movement as mm. well, right? It's fundamental, but it's also a movement. It requires a coordination of muscles and, you know, joint flexibility within our, within our rib cage and things like that in order for it to flow smoothly. So any kind of injury that disrupts that process. Right. Um, we can look at the effects of, of stress, right? And anxiety and grief and all of those kind of emotional things that change the way we breathe. And if we, you know, if we tend to be that little bit more type A, really, really busy, we don't know how to relax and calm down and we're, or we're really anxious and we're always in that fight or flight state, that's a completely different state than our rest 
and digest or relaxed state, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're always in that hyper on awareness state, you lose that ability to know what relaxation feels like, right? Mm -hmm. And then again, trauma is a whole other like that's a whole nother department of when there is trauma and, and how your breathing changes to either protect yourself from trauma or keep you in a space that your, your body and subconscious feels safe. Um, so, I mean, lots of different, lots of different reasons why um, our mm -hmm. breathing could change. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's a, one of my breath teachers uses the phrase that we, we restrict our breathing um, to restrict our feelings. Yeah. So there's and, uh, this, right moments yeah, that it's and, just too much and overwhelming and to, to not feel so much it's okay I'm just gonna breathe sh more shallow because mm -hmm. I can't handle all of this right now mm -hmm. and the, the flip side of that is other people will change their breathing to feel in control of it right mm. so I might take a deep breath into my chest because I feel like that feels better because I can feel a lot of of movement so we we get right. a lot of information about our breathing. It's not just oxygen. It's not just, and in fact, we don't even receive that much information about oxygen into our brain, it, a lot about carbon dioxide, but we also have receptors in our muscles and joints throughout our body. We have them in our chest wall. All of these things that feed information into our respiratory center in our brain, which is really actually, it's, it's quite complex when you look at all the inputs and outputs of that. And, and oftentimes I say to people that, you know, we had this maybe triggering event you know, for those that, um, you know, it wasn't because they were mouth breathing as a kid or something like that, but there's this triggering event and, and all of this information that, that gets fed into the respiratory center, it's like, it all got unplugged, jumbled up and somebody tried to plug it back in again. And we don't have the right connections. We don't have mm. the brain, um, understanding the sensations or it's, it's creating, um, uh, the wrong kind of output for what's happening as well. So a lot it's really quite complex and then we yeah. feed into that on top of that is our own perception or um uh thinking about breathing as well right like what mm -hmm. we think breathing should be mm -hmm. right and that will override things especially as you hear oh we're not breathing enough oh we're breathing too shallow you need to take d deeper breaths and picking all of this stuff that is like kind of globally fed out there but doesn't necessarily apply to you right right yeah it can get so confusing when we hear these one-liners about breath mm -hmm. uh it, which was a big part of what got me going down the rabbit hole as well is learning so much about pranayama and yoga philosophy and and getting actually just really confused. Like there's so many different ways to breathe. Mm -hmm. Like which one's the right one? How should I be breathing? Like when I'm not paying attention to my breath and you know, it, it really opened up this, this beautiful world of how we can use our breath to shift our state and, mm -hmm. and bring ourselves back into that integration where now I can trust my breath, right? Exactly. I, I'm curious to hear your way of describing um, carbon dioxide tolerance and what, you know, what, um, if that's something that you speak about with most of your clients to teach them a little bit of the intricacies yeah. of carbon dioxide and, and, and maybe some general ways um, that you teach people to help increase their carbon yeah. dioxide tolerance. Yeah. So that's, that, that's a big thing. And it, um, and I actually, I have tools to measure it. So when I do mm -hmm. in-person sessions, well, I'll actually look at, okay, what are their carbon dioxide levels? So 
the kind of the importance of that is understanding really fundamentally how breathing works. So we breathe in oxygen, we use the oxygen so that that oxygen comes in, gets into our bloodstream, goes to say uh, our forearm muscle, okay? It offloads into those muscles and it's gonna pick up some carbon dioxide once it drops the oxygen off and we take that and we breathe it out. But we never go down to zero in, with carbon dioxide in our body and I think a lot of people don't, don't really understand that, of, of course. I mean, that's kind of a little bit higher level science yeah. biology than than most would take well it's so, spoken about as a as a waste product and that's yeah, and it's, the only way it's yeah. talked about right yeah, exactly right um and it's not it's super that that it is carbon dioxide um that that really has a, a large impact on our ph our body's um acid base balance right so mm. we'll talk about ph so if you if you breathe too much for your body's requirements. So we used to call it hyperventilation, but of course, if I say hyperventilation, you're imagining someone, you know, Extreme. flipping out. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? So um, if you breathe too much for your body's requirements, so if I breathe a little bit faster than I need to, if I breathe sometimes a little bit more shallow, if I mouth breathe, those kinds of things can deplete our normal state of carbon dioxide, okay? Um, likewise, if I hold my breath, it's not the lack of oxygen that drives me to breathe again. It's the rising levels of carbon dioxide. So now that carbon dioxide is building up in the system, makes me feel like I'm suffocating and I have to breathe. Mm -hmm. Now, in someone who has been over breathing and their carbon dioxide levels have been chronically low, what ends up happening is at, at first there's a slight shift in pH, which isn't good. So if you don't correct your breathing, your kidneys jump in and say, you know what, I'm gonna deal with this problem lungs because you're not fixing it. And it will actually, you'll start to get rid of, the kidneys will start to get rid of what we call bicarbonate. So it's, it's a buffer. So when we, when we breathe too much, essentially we're gonna see that we become a little bit more acidic. So then we get rid of this, um, or sorry, a little bit more alkaline. So we get rid of this um, base, this basic buffer and we bring our pH back down, okay? Mm. Um, so all's good. We feel okay in terms of, you know, there's no, there's no, um, danger to our health. We might not feel great about a few other things because our carbon dioxide level is sitting a little bit lower, right? It might, we might feel short of breath. We, we might feel a little bit more tired. We might feel oftentimes in that state of, of, uh, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not, imminently dangerous to our health. Our kidneys are not suffering, you know, nothing to that great extent. We just might not feel great. Um, and what we would see in that state is that if I asked someone who had um, kind of chronically low CO2 to hold their breath, let's say, they would not tolerate that increase in CO2. They will feel like they're suffocating right away. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting because there's lots of studies that kind of um, are linking this low CO2 level, this chronically low, or this increased sensitivity to rising levels of CO2 to panic anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're seeing that kind of stuff. So um, not everyone that I see necessarily has that problem, but a lot of times there's an element of this poor CO2 tolerance. And what it just means is that you've probably been in this state of lowered CO2, your body's completely adjusted. But if I try to raise that CO2, just like if I overbreathe and my uh, CO2 lowers, okay, and my uh, my pH changes, in order to um, 
bring that back into balance, in order for me to bring that CO2 level back up to what we would consider normal thresholds, there will be a change in pH, which causes that resistance to change because it feels like I'm suffocating. It feels awful. I might have air hunger, all of those kinds of things. So it's a, it can be a really challenging situation to correct, if I can, mm-hmm. you know, in brackets, um, in quotes, uh, because the, the fix feels awful. Yeah. It feels like you're su- suffocating yourself. It feels like I am not breathing enough right. because you're so used to breathing so much. Yeah. Yeah. So. What, what kind of um, practices do you offer to someone who's got really, really low CO2 tolerance? Is it like a um, daily practice that you invite them to do or? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we will look at ways that we can improve their tolerance and it, it all depends on, on the person. Right. Um, and, and, and what they're going to feel comfortable with. So, right. you know, really I have a toolbox of things. Okay. So for this person, I might say, you know what, you could go ahead and start working on some, some breath hold exercise. And there's a very specific way that I teach doing breath holds or, you know, for you, all I want you to do is start to get comfortable with the fact that with the way we breathe is we breathe in, we breathe out and there's a little pause. So a lot of mm. people that have that intolerance to CO2 will not even observe or have that little pause. So in our normal breathing, restful breathing cycle, again, this is always talking kind of at rest at this point is we breathe in, it transitions to an exhale breath and then there's a pause. We're neither breathing in or out, but we're not holding our breath, right? There's no mm. closure in the throat. There's no nothing. Yeah. It's just like, And then we start again, we start that cycle, that inhale, exhale, pause. So for someone who's, who's really not um, tolerating a lot, that might be our starting point. And then we start Mm -hmm. to just slowly extend that pause a little bit. Yeah. And try and ease into that comfort zone. So yeah, again, again, this, this, this speaks to the, everyone is a little bit different. We don't want to just take this recipe and apply it to everyone. Right. It could be overwhelming for someone if they're, you know, a little, yeah, if your CO2 tolerance is really, really low to get into, uh, you know, a buteco technique of, of walking and holding your breath would actually <laughs> cause some real issues. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That would be that. That's too much. That's just mm-hmm. plainly too much. And it's going to fail. And then, then they're going to, you know, be looking for something else, or you're going to say, well, that doesn't work. And it's like, well, that doesn't work right now. Right. Right. That doesn't mean that doesn't work. It just wasn't the appropriate thing. It would kind of be like, um, you know, having a, a heart condition and just randomly taking a heart medication, right. And then throwing it at them, right. You kind of have to research it, pick and choose. Well, what's this person's actual symptoms and problems? And that's the medication I'm going to choose based on that. And it's the same kind of thing with, with breathing is that we don't want to just assume it's a one size fits all. It's, yeah. it's definitely a, um, has to be tailored to the, the person that's in front of you. You're treating the person in front of you. You're not treating yeah. the breathing problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, one of the things that I hear often when I uh, talk about chronic overbreathing and the things that can happen, um, one of the common responses or questions that I get is, well, what about, what if I'm an underbreather? So speaking to the, the people who get into these patterns of realizing, oh, I, I was just holding my breath for who knows how long, or like I breathe really, really shallow. So for someone who's generally a little bit more in the hypo arousal, 
realm, mm-hmm. just a little bit uh, lower down. Um, what, how do you approach that? Is that different than speaking about overbreathing? Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, and it's certainly way less common. I think from the, mm-hmm. from like the breath hold thing is probably way more common. The things that drive us to do that, of course, are computers, checking mm. emails, those kinds of things, anything that requires high concentration. The hardest thing I think about breath holding is that you don't catch it till you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> so that becomes the difficulty. So that now you have to try to change an entire behavior of, okay, so if we know that when you do this, you breath hold, what can we do to trigger your awareness so that you are breathing through that task? So that one, that one is definitely a more difficult one. It's not, not as common. Mm-hmm. Um, shallow, shallow breathers, like true hypoventilators, uh, tend to have other health issues associated with that. Um, You'll see that kind of a little bit more with obesity and things like that. So for that part, I may be looking at respiratory um, muscle training. So really Mm -hmm. trying to strengthen the respiratory muscle because some of it may be that, oh, well, I just, instead I just breathe really fast up in here. So it's all about kind of retraining that pattern of, okay, we want to get kind of down in that diaphragm and lower ribs. That's where we want that pump to be occurring and not up into the upper chest. so yeah, that's that. It is. It's totally different, right? Yeah. So that's again why you you look at what's going on to the person in the per, with the person in front of me. Right. Yeah. And and what about you know what what's your um, description of the difference of a conscious breath hold versus that unconscious breath hold? Yeah. I I mean, in terms of. Um, somebody who's doing a breath hold like for a a breathing exercise or because they're trying to do something else like what yeah like what's you know when you even talking before about one of the things that you help people do is um, to increase their co2 tolerance is to Mm -hmm. deliberately hold their breath in a certain Mm -hmm. pattern of breathing Mm -hmm. and then there could be someone else who comes to you who has a pattern of I hold my breath randomly throughout the day. Yeah. Why why is that different? Or is it the body trying to regulate itself? Yeah. Well, good. That probably is a, that's a great question. As, as a colleague of mine likes to say, that's a great research paper. (laughs) (laughs) What is, what is driving that? Right. Um, You know, I don't know what's driving the breath hold in people like that. Mm. when we concentrate, it depends on the task. I, I, I don't know what's coupled with that idea of I need to hold my breath to complete this task, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it some way of that up until then they were breathing in a way that was um, over breathing and then right. now this is their compensation for it? Who knows? That could be for some person. It might not be for someone else. Some, yeah. Somewhere along the way, they learned that if I hold my breath, I'm, I'm more attentive who knows, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, certainly you would see that in somebody who's doing fine motor type stuff. You could see that need to breath hold because yeah. it just kind of stops all motion for a moment, mm-hmm. right? Our bodies are moving as we're breathing. Um, and then, yeah. And, and of course that's, that's totally different from someone that I, I want them to do a breath hold because we're trying to change their physiology, right. And right. change their tolerance and, um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Super um, hard to super hard to deal with those unconscious breath holds. 
oh, yeah. because they're unconscious. Again, yeah. it's afterwards. Whereas a lot of times with people that are over breathers and they're feeling symptoms right then and there, you can say, when you feel those symptoms, I want you to change your breathing pattern and, you know, or, or you know, look, look at what you're feeling check in with your breathing can you change it and and then it kind of all works in there but again with that breath hold it's like oh it's already done right okay. yeah. <laughs> now what yeah <laughs> mm, okay uh so is there um you know uh, illnesses aside people that you you see that you know have a lung disease of some kind or severe asthma is there anything at, at this time in particular, maybe this past year, um, any particular breath patterns that are that you're seeing on a regular basis of whether it's like, you know, people that breathe really hard on their exhale or uh, an imbalance in some way? Is there any kind of pattern that you're seeing in, in that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that tends to be kind of what leads people to me in the first place is that most of the time it's this upper chest breathing pattern tends to be a little bit faster and we tend to lose that exhale pause portion so they just inhale exhale inhale exhale inhale exhale which results in a faster breathing pattern and usually is associated with that upper chest breathing pattern right so that's that's kind of almost standard across the board um the most common thing that I will see, no matter what, if they're, they, they have asthma, um, if they just have um, just breathing issues and without any lung pathology, or they have anxiety issues, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of the driving one. Um, <clears throat> mouth breathing, not, not a, actually as common, but fair, like it, it, if you're mouth breathing, you've got a breathing problem, pretty mm -hmm. much. That's that you know, that's, if you're mouth breathing all the time at rest, you've got a breathing problem. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's probably the norm. Um, and then I, I again, I'm, I'll measure respiratory muscle strength. Um, and that shows up in a variety of, of different conditions as well. Mm -hmm. Seeing it a lot with long COVID actually. Treatment. Right. I bet. You know, the long COVID, um, patients, those that had been infected and then months later are still, having problems so. struggling yeah how do you how do you measure um respiratory strength are there, i'm sure there's lots of different ways but is there any simple things that even maybe someone could do for themselves well no because we it is a fairly specific measurement so i have okay. a device where basically you breathe in against mm. nothing <laughs> so you have to suck okay. in nothing and it, it basically it measures um the ability of the, of the muscles to overcome uh, a pressure. So oh. um, it, it's a pretty specific measurement. Um, we could guess, but it, it's really just a best guess. A lot of times for people to just self-assess, you put a hand on your chest and a hand on your belly yeah. and have a look and feel, or, you know, as you're breathing, what do you feel moving? Do you feel like it's your hand on your chest is moving up and down with every breath? Or do you feel the hand on your belly moving in and out with your breath, right? That gives you an indication. And if you tend to breathe up high a lot, it'd be a hard stretch to say for sure that there is some respiratory muscle weakness. We could just certainly say that there's a breathing pattern issue, mm -hmm. right? Can't mm -hmm. really, we can't really know until we, we test those muscles is right. if there's actual weakness in there. 
yeah, back when sense. I was in, in the clinic and seeing patients more one-on-one, um, just starting to get into actually using ultrasound to measure diaphragm, diaphragm thickness and motion and stuff like that. That was really cool. So Right. Yeah, that's something that I learned in my, um, my latest myofascial yoga teacher training is my, my teacher had gone to um, a clinic in Scotland to be a part of an autopsy. So they could look at you know various parts of the body. And one of the things they saw was um, a diaphragm. And in this particular diaphragm or this particular cadaver, it was like saran wrap thin or less, like just mm-hmm. translucent, like a piece of thin skin. Yeah. And, and so we got into that conversation of how like it doesn't have to look that way. Like it can be a very strong, robust muscle if it's mm-hmm. used like any other muscle in the body. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And lots of things are going to lead to that diaphragm weakness. So that particular... Right. Um, cadaver could have had lung disease so we Mm -hmm. see thinning of the diaphragm in that and and just simply in older age the diaphragm the one thing that we have to remember is the diaphragm is a skeletal muscle like your biceps muscle like your quadriceps muscle it is exactly the same other than the fact that it works all the time non-stop can't stop right Mm -hmm. so other than that it is, is the same so underuse weakens it so we see you know, coming out of hospital, this is a big thing right now, people that have been intubated in ICUs, we're seeing more recognition for the fact that yes, there's muscle weakness everywhere, but there's also significant muscle weakness in the diaphragm muscle, which then affects the ability to breathe and then function. Cause if you can't breathe well, you can't move well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and then, and, um, yeah, so, and we're seeing that it, in addition to it weakening, it also responds to strengthening. So when we apply specific loads to the diaphragm muscle, we can make changes, we can make it thicker again, we can make it perform better and and have that power that we need for if we're doing activity. Mm, Yeah, it's pretty amazing how resilient the body truly Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Uh, Are there there any um, breathing muscle practices that you would suggest that whether you think you breathe well or not, that it would be a, a good thing to to play with? Um, you know what, I, I my take home always is make sure that you have what we call baseline. Are you breathing through your nose? Mm-hmm. Are you predominantly diaphragm or belly breathing or whatever you want to call it? So the diaphragm is going to do 80 to 90% of the work at rest, okay? Mm-hmm. Are you breathing within a a good rate? So we're looking at eight to 12 breaths a minute, Mm -hmm. okay? Which is slow, Mm -hmm. lower than what a lot of people think. So (laughs) if you're sitting up at 18 to 20 breaths a minute, just sitting here, probably that's a little much more than you need to. Um, I think understanding, uh, understanding what breathing at rest looks like means that you have the ability to then build on top of that right so if you can't breathe through your nose diaphragm breathe breathe between eight to 12 breaths a minute if you don't understand that actually our resting breathing is 10 percent of our lung volume so Mm. average adult lungs are five liters every breath that we take at rest is going to be 500 milliliters we don't Mm. breathe five liters every single time we take a breath right so understanding what I guess, quote unquote, normal breathing is, and being able to engage in that is probably the most important part, because there's no sense 
doing any other breathing exercise if we don't have that foundation first. Right. Because then what happens, you'll probably struggle doing those, mm -hmm. or you get caught up in something else and that inability to come back down to there. So breathing practices, great, totally do them, right? Because sometimes you want to breathe bigger. You want to use it as a, as a way to make sure all of the ribs and the muscles and the myofascial, all of that stuff can move and be free. But then you got to come back down to, okay, now I'm not doing, you know, anything else. Am I back down to that? Or have I now left breathing, you know, four liters of air with each breath? Right. It's going to be problematic if you're not going for a run. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. kind of understanding that whatever you do, it's great. Just make sure you always have that basics and that you right. come back to that, right? That's I mean, if you brilliant. look at yoga, if yeah. you look at yoga, what does Shavasana do? Puts it's you back into back that. Back to baseline. Yeah. Right? Like that's, mm -hmm. the, that's what you want to be doing there. You don't want to be doing gigantic, huge breaths. You want to be like bringing it all back down to, ah, and now we're done right? Mm, now yeah. we're done and now we're recharged and away we go again. So right. that's kind of the most important part. Yeah, that's so well said. I think that's, and it speaks to exactly what I said at the beginning of learning all these different techniques and then still wondering like, well, how should I be breathing? So if you don't have that foundation, yeah, it can get really confusing out there to not know what, what does restoration mean? Like, Am I just training myself to continue breathing improperly, but just in a different pattern? Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's actually the reason why. Um, so I've been taking a, a form of holotropic breathwork facilitation. Are you familiar with yeah. that type of? Yeah. Yes. And so that that's one way that you do not want to keep breathing after that situation. Right. right? Like, whoo, let's bring that down. Exactly. <laughs> find baseline again, because that yeah. would be a big problem. Well, and I when I first started getting into this form of breath work, I, I was a chronic overbreather. And so for me doing these, these breath sessions would send me, um, you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't restore really after it, it mm -hmm. just, I felt more, more Ramped anxious, up. more. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it was once I, I really understood uh, the rhythm of 5.5, <laughs> right. Just really trying to train myself to breathe softer and it's not a full breath. It's, how quiet, how soft can yes. I breathe for 5.5 seconds in and out? And when I first started with that, even 5.5, that was a stretch for me. It had to be like three or four to really oh, yeah. find softness. So it still was technically over breathing, but it was the only way for me to train my body in a more gentle way into mm -hmm. softer breathing. Well, mm -hmm. and, and again, that comes down to the, making sure that you're um don't get too hung up on on oh i have to breathe this way right, right. like it, it is it is a fluid thing and and i i know what you're talking about with the 5.5 and and i've in the past um um measured heart rate variability and have taken a lot of courses with that and each yeah. person is different like they'll say you know there's the resonance breathing is six breaths a minute so when you've got that 5.5 or six but mm -hmm. when you really measure it somebody might be at five and somebody might be at seven and so those kinds of numbers again are that kind of av average generally yeah. speaking we say that so so that's where it becomes important of don't get too hung up on that but what do you feel with your body like what yeah. puts you you into that zen state that you feel where it does feel like everything is just easy and i can just 
let go, right? And um, it was interesting talking about or hearing you say that is that one of the key things is about our breathing pattern. We breathe in, there's muscle activation to breathe in, mm-hmm. but breathing out is completely passive. Yeah. And so don't force that. Don't push it. The breathing should be quiet. It should be really soft, right? And I, I will talk a lot about that of, you know, feeling the air coming out of your nostrils. Like mm-hmm. you don't want it to be a, a like a tornado coming out mm-hmm. of there. It's really soft. It's really warm. Like that's what you're kind of going with. And that effortless, there's no... <sighs> Yeah. You know, hard sound to it right yeah. you really want to have that that nice gentle flow of air yeah yeah so much harder than it sounds for people yeah. who are not breathing that way naturally yes for mm-hmm. sure yeah. yeah well I'm yeah I'm, I'm just curious to hear if there's anything at this point that you are really lit up about when it comes to the breath or the work that you're doing like what's what's keeping you engaged and excited Oh, I mean, I, I love what I do because uh, so many people that are sent to me are at their wits end of, you know, I've been through this test and that test and they're all telling me nothing's wrong with my breathing, but something is wrong. And I'm like, great, I can help you out with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are kind of the outside of the the people that do have lung disease. I mean, the other thing, the thing that I add to people with lung disease is just another way to manage it. Right. That isn't just medication based. Mm -hmm. So they can feel like they are, they have some control over things. So that's helpful. But again, for those people that don't have any lung disease, but they've been to specialists and and they're just like, I feel like I'm crazy. No one believes me. And, you know, I can say, well, I hear this all the time and they're the, the visible relief, right. Of really like nobody said anything or whatever. Right. So, so it's great that way. Um, it is, it's kind of ever changing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Mm, That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To really be, yeah, I, I know that look and that, that feeling of, um, someone just having that sense of relief of like, Oh, nothing's wrong with me. I'm not broken. Yeah. yeah just, right. You know, there's things I can do. Yeah. Exactly. We just have to, really... it's just fine tuning, right? That's what I always say. It's not broken. It's just fine tuning. You're still breathing. You're alive. All is good. We could yeah. just maybe make it a little better. We can make it yeah. more efficient. We can make mm-hmm. it so that it's not in the back of your mind all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that's really important, right? Because people think, and, and sometimes I have to be careful because people go, oh, I'm not even breathing right. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not the takeaway from this. Right. Another takeaway, thing I can't do. Yes, uh. right? And the takeaway is we could be, like, we can just tweak it a little bit and you'll probably find you feel better, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, super empowering in the end to recognize mm-hmm. it's something something that when you learn how to pay attention to it, that it's giving you so much amazing information moment to moment. And then you can also shift things before it becomes a bigger issue before we get into those, those bouts of the downward spiral that can turn into hours or days or weeks that is so catapulted by the way we breathe Mm -hmm. that we actually can move back into that expansive state of just like, okay, everything's fine. (laughs) right? I'm just going to breathe for a little bit. I'll get my whole brain back intact and then I'm going to know what to do. But our, our breath just, it can take us down. It can take us up. It can ground us. It can fixate us on something. It's, it's so amazing and powerful. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, 
it's part of our autonomic nervous system, right? So it's that thing that occurs in the background, right? And it's the only part of that system that we have control over, mm-hmm. that we have conscious control. So if I breathe faster, my heart rate's going to go up, but I'm not really able to just get my heart rate up without that, right? So it influences everything else. If I breathe slower, my heart rate's going to go down. If I breathe fast and in that on position, digestion's going to kind of halt, right? Yeah. Like I, I can influence so many, so many systems. And then again, because we're dealing with that oxygen, carbon dioxide, it is impactful on the whole body. So when I yeah. see people with breathing issues, they, yeah, they're short of breath but they have trouble concentrating. Their heart feels like it's racing. Their muscles are tired or twitchy or like there's everything. They might have gut issues. They have trouble digesting, they have IBS, they have whatever, because this is, this is driving all of it, right? Yeah. That's the body's number one goal is to keep breathing. Yeah. (laughs) We won't necessarily Mm -hmm. do it well all the time, but Mm -hmm. you know, that because we know that if if we're not breathing nothing else is happening right yeah so again that's why we see this you know far reaching and and seemingly unrelated symptoms coming back to well actually part of it is because of the way that you're breathing right yeah it's like the the lungs the diaphragm are the maestro of this Mm -hmm. body that's an orchestra and it's either a cacophony of things are just like they're making sounds, but it doesn't sound very good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we can get it into that place where it's it's actually harmonized and it's a symphony, and we can amp it up and we can slow it down and. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, 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 such it's a, that scale, right? And yeah. and matching it, making sure that it's matching, and and a lot, yeah. you know, again, a lot of times I'll have people that are like good at like three quarters of the scale, but then that last quarter or the first quarter somewhere along there things fall apart. And so we yeah. just want to try to create that, that good fluidity along that right. whole, the whole spectrum of needs. Yeah. 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 It's wonderful. I'm so grateful. There are people like you doing this work in the world. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, it's, it's becoming, you know, it's certainly in our face these days, certainly with, with COVID, but um, yeah. you know, even prior to that, that growing interest in, in what breathing is and, and it's great. It's definitely, um, we're thinking outside, that's the big thing, thinking outside the lung when we're talking about breathing. Um, and it's, it, we, I think the biggest thing is we just have to make sure that we're careful or that people are careful that it isn't just because you read this or you see this, that it specifically applies to you yeah. or that's, that's the, the right thing to do because it, in a sense, you know, breathing is, is, is like medicine or exercise in itself is like medicine it does have to be dosed appropriately we can't mm-hmm. just blanketly say everybody needs to do this right yeah <laughs> right. yeah yeah we're a little too complex for that yeah 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 i'm actually um i tape my mouth shut almost every night still to go to sleep and when i when i first started it it was so extreme using packing tape like across my mouth oh, yeah yeah <laughs> no no, it's just a little piece of tape just to help to keep them. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I I uh, I had to learn from experience because um, I, I would have nightmares often because um, it you know it's it's a little ext- more than a little it's extreme to tape like yeah. that and and then it's it's toxic packing tape so it started <laughs> eating my skin and 
yeah so I did that for about a week and then I realized like oh maybe there's something to this little <laughs> square I just thought like I don't want to breathe through my mouth at all so um yeah so don't do yeah, we that don't usually recommend that <laughs> we don't go that <laughs> so funny so at this point do you just meet people one-on-one -on -one? do you offer workshops uh, experiences what does that look like for you yeah you know what it's it's pretty much one-on-one -on -one. I've, I've transitioned to mostly virtual so we do a lot of video yep. consults and then I do in-home stuff just with uh, the ongoing pandemic it wasn't hmm. it wasn't really safe to have a public space for people to come and breathe into yeah. um, so we kind of pivoted um, to this model which actually has worked incredibly well um I, I i'm not a ref like you can you can just call me up or email me and make an appointment but a lot of what i do is 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 referral based just because i i see a lot of these people from specialists and yeah uh, it's interesting that actually pivoting to an online uh appointment based um system i actually have way more people booking in because I think it's so much easier. They don't have to drive across the city and oh, yeah. find a time, yeah. right? Like it's actually, it's actually been, been fantastic that way. Um, I, and when we had our, I, I used to try to do group stuff, but it, yeah. it's, it doesn't, it doesn't happen as, as often or as much because I am tend to be more referral based, right? Like it's not like, you know, um, yeah, it's not like, people are, are finding me otherwise. I mean, I get here and there, people will find me through the internet and, and, and whatnot. And mm -hmm. the other part of that is, again, that breathing is, is really individual, right? right. So it's mm -hmm. hard to do group stuff when, if you're dealing with people that have problems or concerns about their breathing, mm -hmm. you know, you have five different bodies in the room, right? Like yeah. how do you, how do you speak to that, right? Okay, so you, I want you to do this, but you, you're gonna do that one instead. So yeah. it's a little, it's hard. I mean, it's it's not unlike, you know, any group session, right? And yoga included, right? You have yeah. different bodies in front of you doing different things. So yeah, I, I just mm -hmm. haven't haven't done that as much. Yeah, that makes sense. I would I would really encourage you to to just put on like informative workshops or seminars because it yeah. you're you're very articulate and clear in what you're describing and it makes a lot of sense and um and i i just am a big believer that this is the information people need yeah right your yeah. mind is thinking about stuff all day long anyways so why not start injecting some more high quality inquiries so that five percent of the day you're thinking about how am I breathing right now versus yeah. like what am I going to eat later and what did you know how did that call go and you know all the other things that we so often think about it's the more we can be around high quality information like this over time that's now where the mind wanders to yeah mm. yeah for sure yeah I love so, it self-awareness right I think we we kind of kind of lost it <laughs> yeah. kind of, it's like getting in a car and going on autopilot, right? But uh, I think people probably know more about the, the functioning of their car than they do their own bodies, right? Yeah. Kind yeah. of just assume we can carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just keep running until we don't, yeah. and then we'll solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're you're right there. It's for from my perspective, it's you know I lost a lot of self awareness for a long time simply because when I practice self-awareness I didn't like what I was aware of and so it became just this constant pattern of pushing things away and not wanting to 
to pause and think or feel because it, I just didn't like, I didn't feel good about what was there. And it was over time of learning new ways of thinking and uh, different ways to perceive what I was thinking or what I was feeling. And so now like, I love being alone. I love like when my mind wanders, it generally wanders to really beautiful places. And that's something that like anything, it takes time to build these new habits so that your subconscious is actually serving you instead of making you sicker yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah so this is really important stuff I'm just I'm very grateful that I got to meet you and have this conversation with you and um, I hope we can have many more conversations in the future because I I'm very inspired by what you do and um, anything that I can do to support you in any way, um, just let me know. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Well, it was great. I, I, I could talk about this stuff all day. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> perfect, <Yeah>. me too. <laughs> well, um, anything left unsaid? Anything else that you'd wanna leave us with? Oh, why? No, I think, uh, you know, I think we, we covered it. I think, you know, just hopefully we can uh, trigger someone else out there to kind of think about what their what their own body is doing right now as they're breathing and you know hopefully we've we've captured someone out there who's like oh my gosh I mouth breathe all the time right and we can get them to try and think uh, think about ways to change that and, mm -hmm. and yeah yeah I think yeah the more we know about again how we are are meant to breathe like how we're designed to breathe the easier really breathing becomes because right. it's it's not as confusing then right when we can understand those basic principles yeah then we can then we can do anything else we want to do right just finally having a direction <laughs> yes yeah yeah i love yeah. it thank you yeah thanks for inviting me my pleasure and thank you everyone for listening and joining us on this breath journey if you have any questions um, that you want to hear more about or to reach out to Jessica, I'll make sure to put her contact info in the show notes. So until next time, bye everyone. <laughs>